0: I'm still trying to get past singing that last line. Mm. Do you believe that your sin is greater than God's grace? Do you believe that your own deceit And guilt is greater than God's mercy. God loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And this is the gospel. Jesus said, the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Why in the world would we want to keep that silent? Why would we want to keep that to ourselves? That is the power, the freedom of the gospel. And it is that message, that very message that started the movement with Christ himself that has ended up with you sitting in this very room today. What a great and rich history. And today, we're going to wrap up uh, the book of Acts and we're going to talk through um, uh, some of that. I'm going to recap just some historical moments for you guys and then uh, try to uh, pick up where we left off uh, in the text. But are you guys ready? Are you ready to, to hear from the Lord? Are you ready? Regardless of of how you felt when you walked in the room right here right now are you ready to give God this time because he wants to speak to you I believe he's here so today we're going to wrap up uh, what has been an incredible series that has covered an amazing story about the beginning history and the growth of the church. Acts gives us the account of how Christianity was founded and the church began. It was a community of believers uh, that began by faith in the risen Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, they began to witness and to love and to serve. And what we've learned is that in the same way today, by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit, the church can be be a, a vibrant agent of change. Do you think those guys were dealing with a whole lot of stuff back then? Yeah. Things weren't just easy. Things were, I mean, it, it gets so easy to get wrapped up in, in what so much uh, media and, and social media uh, try, to, try to paint today. It's, it's so easy to think, you know, man, the sky is falling. Look, we're not dealing with stuff that those guys weren't dealing with way back then. And they had even more hardships, but that didn't stop them. It didn't stop the gospel from being advanced. Even today, we can be that same agent for change. And in the book of Acts, we get a glimpse of how um, the early church solved its problems uh, the church today can and should learn and be encouraged to face and solve new problems uh, with the important principles given to us in this account. And looking back, like I said, it started uh, with Jesus' last days on earth uh, with his disciples. He told them in uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends Of the earth. It started right there in Jerusalem and it began to spread. You see, this message and this mission carried out from Christ Himself to His disciples. Then there's Pentecost, where people from distant lands uh, so happened to be in Jerusalem and heard Peter preach the gospel with about 3,000 added to the church that day. Can you imagine? 3,000. That's a pretty good kickstart, don't you think? 3,000 people. And all that believed were baptized that day. 3,000 baptisms. Anybody want to sign up for that? 3,000 baptisms. That was a pretty big service, pretty long service, wouldn't you say? 3,000 baptisms, man. And then it says here in uh, Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse uh, 42... It says this. It says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day... The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Hey, guys, look around you real quick. Just look, look, look. I mean, there's a pretty good bit of people in here. It all started right there. That's our history. This this is the story of us. It began there. So after that, I mean, you guys know how it is. I mean, everybody's trying to get along, but do you think everybody just held hands and sang and told each other how much they loved them? And no, man, you're great. No, you're no, I love you too, man. And that, yeah, that that lasted for a little bit, and then what do you think happens? Somebody doesn't get their way somehow, and this is just. How people are, man. People start to, to kind of fuss and argue and complain. And, and so, as a result of that, there are Greek speaking Jews, uh, believers appointed to help with the administration of the church, the first deacons. And Stephen, uh, we read, is the first of these, and he was the first martyr, even. And then there's the conversion of Saul, and the gospel begins to be preached to the Gentiles, particularly to the Greeks in Antioch, which ends up becoming the. the this is so incredible. Antioch. Um, do we have that map, uh, Anna? Real quick, let me let me just show you guys something. All right, so it all starts here. Um, uh, I don't think there are any fronts moving today. Uh, <laughs> skies look clear. We're we're in good shape. So uh, you've got you've got everything kind of starting in Jerusalem, and then they and then they take the message and they preach it to the Greeks in Antioch. And what's so incredible is Antioch becomes the mother church to the Gentile people. This is the church that they sent. They commissioned and they sent Paul and Barnabas and, and Silas and Mark and all these guys on all these missionary journeys, Antioch. They would start at Antioch, Paul and Barnabas and Silas. They would all start here and begin their missionary journey. Now, right here, this is, this is the third missionary journey being shown uh, up here on the screen. But everything started right here. They spent a lot of time. So, so Barnabas was actually sent to Antioch and he's preaching. Preaching. Things were happening in, in, in such abundance that he needed help. At one point, they sent uh, Paul uh, to go help Barnabas there, and they spent uh, a little over a year there preaching and teaching. And, and so there's a strong church establishment that happens in Antioch. And again, it kind of becomes the mother church to the Gentiles learning about the gospel. So um, uh, it was also, remember this, it was also in Antioch, that they were called what? Christians. This is where it all happened, right here in Antioch, that the believers were first called Christians in Acts eleven twenty six. 26. And Paul takes the gospel on three separate missionary tours, establishing churches uh, throughout uh, Galatia and uh, uh, Cyprus and um, all, of, all of Macedonia. I mean, you see, guys, again, remember, it started here. And his first missionary journey, he he goes up and uh, uh, you know he preaches right here through this this all of this right here. Um, is all of Galatia. So all of those churches right there are all part of Galatia. Um, and he kind of stops there in his first journey. He came back around, uh, goes back to Antioch to kind of close things out. It's right over here uh, that he meets uh, young Timothy, who would soon uh, uh, become his his mentor. And, and, of course, you guys know about Timothy. Uh, there are Paul's letters in the Bible uh, written to Timothy. Timothy uh, was uh, commissioned to be the... Uh, Uh, church uh, over the church at Ephesus Um, so many uh, cool things began to happen even in spite of all of the hardships that came along with it you guys remember this it was actually the last time I preached I talked about Paul was beaten and left for dead before he went to that last stop and instead of going back home again he 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 travels all the way to Derby he gets beaten right here left for dead but he the next day gets up goes to Derby Preaches to those people, establishes a church there. He's from Tarsus. You guys have probably heard this Saul of Tarsus, right? He doesn't go home and he doesn't go back to Antioch. Instead, he goes back through those places to appoint leaders that would serve in the churches that would be established there. I mean, the man was hot and heavy on a mission, the gospel was being preached. So you have Paul visiting, like I said, Galatia, Cyprus, Cilicia, all throughout Macedonia, Phrygia, and Achaia, and, and then ultimately, as we're going to talk about today, Rome. And all of this stuff happened. This is what, to me, is, is so incredible. And I, I wanted to spend just a, a little bit of time talking about this because I just think it's so incredibly wonderful. I'm just that history guy, and I can't help it. All of this stuff happened at just the right time. Do you believe God's timing is perfect? At just the right time, all of this stuff was able to happen. And and so uh, it was happening, and what the Bible tells us is the fullness of time. So in Galatians 4.4, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, Subject to the law. And then in Mark 1:15, uh, it says this, the time promised by God has come at last. This is Jesus saying this. He's here. He's looking at everybody saying the time is now here. The time has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. At just the right time God sent his son At just the right time, the world was in such a position to allow for the gospel to spread the way that it did. I want to highlight a few things really, really quickly. Um, uh, You guys know uh, about this time. uh, If you've read some of this, we've talked about some of this uh, throughout the book of Acts. but um, So the Roman government was, was... was in charge. It was the 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 world's ruling entity if you will. Okay? So so these guys were in charge and the fact that they were and what they brought to the table really allowed the gospel to be spread. Uh, there were so many uh, political contributions uh, by the Romans to provide a favorable uh, environment to spread Christianity. The Romans, as no other people up to their time, they developed this sense of unity uh, of mankind under a universal law. And what I mean by that is there was a sense of solidarity of man within the empire that created an environment favorable to the reception of a gospel that proclaimed the unity of a human race uh, and the fact that all men are under the penalty of sin and then the fact that all are offered a salvation that makes them a part of a universal organism, the Christian church, Christ's body. Okay, so uh, Rome brought together this solidarity, if you will, based on their uh, strength of rule. And, and another thing was just the free movement about the Mediterranean world. Um, can we go back to that map real quick? Check this out. So uh, uh, up until... Um, uh, Rome kind of came into power. Um, you couldn't just travel around, guys. I mean, this this you uh, there were there were pirates at sea um, uh, before the Roman roads were created. You couldn't just travel around and not expect some type of danger or ambush, right? I mean, many times uh, we read in in some of the previous chapters, uh, Paul was getting kind of a, a heads up, man. They're waiting to get you, all right? When Rome came into power and they set up all of these roads, these systems of roads, and what's also incredible is when, when Rome, the main roads that, that led out of Rome, um, those things were concrete. I literally mean that. They were made of concrete, man, and they went over Hill and Dale and, and they went straight to the capital, but this allowed for travel to happen, man. It wasn't, you know. Well, we got to go over this thing and through that, and and you had Roman protection. This was a big, big deal. And and before uh, Caesar Augustus, in like BC 27, um, this wasn't going to happen. But it was just the right time. Even some of the Roman soldiers, um, when you start thinking through. Uh, Uh, how the gospel got spread. Even some of the Roman soldiers uh, were instrumental in spreading the gospel. Some of the men became converts to Christianity, and they spread the gospel to areas where uh, they were assigned for military duty. It's even probable, all right, it's even probable uh, that the earliest introduction of Christianity to Britain was a result of the efforts of uh, Christian soldiers uh, who were stationed there. But, um, even Roman conquests, see back then, guys too, you got to think um i I know we're used to the way things are today, and they've been this way uh, you know for our l- whole life and and you know uh, but back then, there were so many different religions and so many different gods, and it was the norm. But one thing that started happening as Rome uh, uh led all these conquests, it led to a loss of belief of many of. Uh, the peoples in their gods uh, because the gods weren't able to keep them from the defeat by the Romans. And uh, so they didn't know what to do. You know, we believed in in these gods, but here we are. And it set the tone for the gospel to be preached and received in such a way, in the fullness of... Of time. And then there were contributions even by the Greeks. Uh, the universal gospel was in need of a universal language, just like um, uh, English uh, today has become the universal language in the modern world and Latin in the medieval scholarly world. So Greek had become the universal tongue in the ancient world. Greek. Again, right at this time, this is when all of this was happening. Even Greek philosophy prepared uh, for the coming of Christianity by destroying the older polyistic, uh, polytheistic uh, religions. Uh, they, they just became rationally unintelligible. And then even the Jews, the Jewish people, in contrast to the Greeks, uh, did not seek to discover God by this process of human reason. See, they believed. They believed, and they assumed his existence, and, and they readily granted to him the worship that they felt was his due. They were influenced toward this course by the fact that God sought the Jews, and he revealed himself to them in a history, uh, or in history, and his appearances to Abraham and the other great leaders of the race. Jerusalem became the symbol of a positive religious preparation for the coming of Christianity, salvation was to be indeed of the Jews, as Christ told the woman at the well, uh, and from this tiny captive nation, Israel, situated on the crossroads of Asia, Africa, and Europe, a savior was to come. Judaism existed in, in very much striking contrast uh, Uh, to all of these other uh, pagan religions with its sound spiritual monotheism never again after the return uh, from the babylonian captivity did the jews lapse back into idolatry it was god and god alone they worshiped one god and that was very different again this was very different from all of the other cultures man The Jews offered to the world the hope of a coming Messiah who would bring righteousness to the earth. And in the moral part of the Jewish law, Judaism also offered to the world the purest ethical system in existence. This is what Judaism brought to history at that time. So we see how God worked all of this stuff out just so that at the right time, the gospel could be spread in ways it couldn't have before that time had come. We can trust God's timing? Do you believe that God's working even though you can't see what's going on? Do you really believe that you can trust God's timing? As you see right here, God was bringing all of this stuff together at just the right time. So right now, I want us to pick up, uh, this is gonna be the last part of the account of Acts. So in Acts chapter 28, we're going to pick up uh, the story from last week, Acts 28. We're going to start with verse 11. It was 3 months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed 3 days. And it's uh, tradition believes that even in those 3 days, guys, Paul established the church at Syracuse. How long are we going to be here? Well, we're only going to be here three days. Yeah, that'll probably work. Paul, I'm telling you, he was a workhorse, man. Verse 13, from there we sailed across to Rhegium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed up the coast to uh, Puteoli. And then we found some believers there who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome, and so the first point I want to kind of bring out here, um, I want to talk about ways to redeem the circumstances. See, all of this stuff was not easy for Paul. Remember when you go back to when when uh, Paul uh, God was speaking to Ananias about Paul, He says, "I want you to go. I want you to speak uh, to this uh, man named Saul, and when you speak to him." I'm going to tell him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. It was going to be hard from the beginning. Paul went through a lot of suffering. And this was the road to how the gospel was going to be spread, how it was going to be preached. This wasn't going to be something easy, guys. So one of the things that Paul did so well... um, I believe, is he, he looked for cues in his surroundings that, that helped initiate gospel conversations. So ways to redeem the circumstances, look for cues in your surroundings that can help initiate gospel conversations. Remember back in Acts 17 when Paul was in Athens um, and he's looking around at all of the, the statues of the gods and the shrines and he sees this altar with the inscription, to the unknown God. And he uses that to begin to speak to the Greeks in Athens. So right there they see um, they're getting on this ship uh, with the twin God figurehead. And, and this was in stark contrast, uh, mind you. They were believed to be the sons of Zeus. And and this, uh, sailors believed, would would protect them while they were out on sea, you know, these gods. And if you saw the uh, Gemini constellation in the sky, you knew you were going to be saved from a storm. You were going to get where you are going to go and all this kind of stuff. Now, there were uh, uh, over 270 uh, people that had been on the last ship uh, with Paul. We remember... The shipwreck that these guys just encountered. Uh, Paul, along with several hundred others, okay, uh, there were a lot of prisoners who were all being carted off to Rome. All right. So these guys had been through shipwreck and they'd seen all kinds of stuff, and they had seen Paul say and do some pretty incredible things, man. Paul said, God showed up to me and has told me this is what's going to happen. That happened multiple times. And guess what? They saw all of that stuff play out. So all of these boys are getting up on the ship. They see the twin God figure. And you, you can probably imagine to yourself at this point, after spending so much time with Paul, they're starting to chuckle like, yeah, we've seen that story play out before. And so everybody getting on that ship was a living testimony To the gospel. So the guys who owned that ship, this grain ship going back off uh, to set sail again, they were going to hear about the gospel. You couldn't help it. So these guys had a perfect cue for something like that. What in your life sets you up for gospel conversations? Are you ever on the look? Do you leave from here and when you go to work or when you go out somewhere, do you see things that can help initiate those kinds of conversations? Even if it's this, guys, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. How often are you sharing your story? How often do you just ask somebody, hey, how can I pray for you? What cues give you that opportunity to share the gospel? These are ways we can redeem the circumstances. We see then in Acts uh, 28, verse 15, it says, The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard that we were coming, and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns, and when Paul saw them, he was encouraged, and he thanked God. This passage really, really stuck out to me. So uh, Paul's going to Rome. And he knows what awaits him at Rome. I don't know if you guys remember, but there were several of the believers that didn't want Paul to even go to Jerusalem. They knew that that terrible things awaited. He was going to be put in chains, put in prison, possibly killed. And Paul fully expected that as a possibility. Again, God told him when he called him, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul embraced that. And he didn't use all of these circumstances as an excuse to not do something. He was ready. And he's already been put on trial and his own people are trying to kill him. And he's headed off to Rome. He's already gone through so much. What's going to happen there? But they land. And these people, Believers who had never met Paul, Paul had never met them. They travel between 30 and 40 miles, and they just show up. They just show up. And Paul sees them. Do you think that was overwhelming? Who are these people? Hey, Paul, these are, these are all the people that heard you were coming. These are the, the believers from the church at Rome. Have you guys ever been on a mission trip somewhere or you've been out of the country and you're just man you, you can you can hardly read the language and you just feel like a fish out of water you don 't know what the customs are you don 't know where to go you 've never been here before you don 't know what to do and then somebody comes and greets you, or maybe they 're holding a sign with your last name written on it uh, or or if you 've been on a mission trip, uh, you meet the the party and and they come and they embrace you and 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 they 're so glad that you 're there and you You are just overwhelmed with gratitude and encouragement because these people are there. That's a big deal, man. Always be ready to find a way to encourage others. These people left Rome and traveled several miles to come and meet their brother. Has anybody ever done that for you? Has anybody ever encouraged you? You know, one of the things that uh, I saw when I was um, studying this stuff, uh, uh, the the word used um, when it, where it says to meet, uh, the Greek word is um, uh and what it means, it means to meet. Uh, uh, So it was like them coming out of a city to meet an official going uh, to the city. And it's also used in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, where it speaks of the believers being called up to meet uh, the Lord in the air, like an entourage, okay? And it says that when Paul saw them, he received, literally it would say, he received courage. And you never know what your encouragement might do to somebody to just keep them going. Guys, you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But this is important. This is how we redeem the circumstances. Find ways to encourage others. Another thing to do uh, to redeem the circumstance uh, would be to maintain your influence by being trustworthy and having honorable behavior. Maintain your influence by being trustworthy and having honorable behavior. Remember, Paul had already been tried. Um, They know that that he's still uh, a prisoner uh, to Rome awaiting trial. But Paul's reputation had gone before him. Look, there's a reason why uh, things didn't uh, just end all the way back in Jerusalem or even Caesarea. Okay? They couldn't pin him down. They couldn't find any charges against Paul. All right? But look here at First um, uh, Peter chapter two. First uh, Peter chapter two, sorry. Uh, it says, "Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when He judges the world." And then in verse 15, it says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So that's 1 Peter 2, 12 and 15. It's so important, guys, to live a trustworthy and honorable life. Or else your witness doesn't account for anything. But your integrity, your integrity maintains the opportunity to share the gospel no matter what somebody might say about you it's so important that we redeem the circumstances with our trustworthy and honorable behavior acts 28 let's pick up verse 16 it says when we arrived in rome paul was permitted to have his own private lodging though he was guarded by a soldier and 3 days after Paul's arrival he called together the local Jewish leaders and he said to them brothers I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors the Romans tried me and wanted to release me but they found no cause for the death sentence but when the Jewish leaders protested the decision I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. So another way to redeem the circumstances, guys, listen, it's expect opposition and rejection. Expect opposition and rejection. Don't let them deter you from the mission verse 21 through 28 it says they replied these are the Jewish leaders they replied we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here but we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere so a time was set and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses, guys, this is the Old Testament, okay? Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things that he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. So this is what Paul tells them. After presenting all of this, again, from morning until evening, he's presenting all of this to them. And then they start arguing among themselves. And then Paul just looks at them and he says this. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. Remember, Paul is speaking to the Jewish people in Rome, okay? This is what he said. Go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know, Paul says, So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. Closes here, uh, the last two verses, verse 30 and 31, it says, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him Boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. So Paul was on mission. When you think back through all of the things that Paul went through, shipwrecks, the beatings. We read later on in some of his letters to the churches how he was uh, uh, Naked, cold, afraid, thinking that this is all over. He's going to die so many times. He 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 said, suffering became my friend. How could this be God's way? How could this be God's way? Do you ever think that sometimes, God, with all of the things going on in my life right now, how? How is this all going to work out? The last way to redeem the circumstances is just to keep believing God's promises. And I wanted to end with this verse that Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans. And boy, all this came full circle, didn't it? Paul wrote this to the Romans, to the believers at the church of Rome. He says this in Romans 8, 28. And we know, we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Just when it seemed like things were falling apart, there was always the opportunity for God to work. The early church didn't let those circumstances keep them from doing anything. They didn't complain about it. Look, These were opportunities. Guys, it was because of the persecution that drove those believers into these other areas that allowed them to preach the gospel. Yeah, they were fleeing from persecution, but then they found themselves right in the middle of another mission field. Don't be discouraged when trials and tough times come. Keep believing God's promises. Guys, we have such an amazing history. Acts gives us the account of how Christianity was founded and the church began a community of believers that began by faith in the risen Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. They began to witness, they began to love and to serve. And what we've learned is that in the same way today, I said this earlier, in the same way today, by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit, the church can be a vibrant agent for change In the book of Acts, we get a glimpse of how the early church solved all of these problems. And so we see even from these great men of faith, both in Acts and through the years from Paul to the apostles... Ignatius of Antioch, Augustine, Constantine, who ultimately made Christianity the official religion of the whole Roman Empire, Erasmus, Martin Luther, and the Great Reformation, and the movement grows throughout Europe, and it leads to the pilgrim to land right here in America on mission to evangelize and seek the freedom to worship. Charles and John Wesley, George Whitfield and the Great Awakening, to people like Billy Graham and hundreds of thousands of others, people just like you and me me, the church, Jesus said, Peter, upon this proclamation, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? Amen. Church, we see it. Here we are. Isn't it wonderful? Praise God for the advancement of the gospel. Listen to me. The story doesn't conclude. The book of Acts ends. Our story continues. Today is your part of this story. What are you going to do with it? What's the story going to say about us? In our time? In our generation? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this gospel? This wonderful news? I pray... You don't keep it to yourself. I pray that God gives you all the boldness and the courage to speak that good news so that the advancement of the gospel continues. He's with you. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. No matter the circumstances, God, I pray that our response to you, God, is yes. Yes, God. Yes, I will go. Yes, God. I will praise you no matter the circumstances. Yes, God, I will serve you. Help us right now, God, to believe in your promises that you work all these things out for our good. As we believe, as we trust you, God, help us. Grow our faith, God. We surrender. We love you. Help us to be on mission for this wonderful gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship.